as soon as I have a brand, like even when one of my talents, like they get requests all the time, a brand will reach out, be like, Hey, we love your aesthetic. We want to work with you. They pass it off to me. And yeah. when they do instantly, you kind of like that you understand if they have money or if it's just because some brands, even if they love you, if they just don't have money. They're a startup. Like you had to read the room a little bit oh, on yeah. knowing who you're talking to. But then this is what I do. And it's always served. I figure out how fast I can get in person with them or on the phone with them because I love to connect Which and I love to sell them on my vibe, who I am. And also being Canadian, they always love it. They just trust you. <laughs> I've noticed that's been such a flex. I'm Tom Ward. And over the last couple of years, I've had the chance to sit down with some of the biggest celebrities and influencers in the world. What I've always found most fascinating is the stories of the businesses that they've built behind the scenes. On the show, you'll get an inside look of what it takes to build a successful business from some of the biggest celebrities, business people, and up and coming entrepreneurs in the world. This is the Tom Ward Show. All right, welcome to the Tom Ward Show. It's time to level up. Every week, some of the most successful people in the world teach you how to elevate your life. And today we've got Aisha Sarah, owner of the PR company, Grow the Social, and host of the Coffee and a Good Vibe podcast. And what I love about your story, like we were just talking before we got started about an event you've got coming up next week. And, you know, you came here from Canada five years ago, knowing mm -hmm. no one, hitting people up on LinkedIn, having zero connections. Yeah. Now you're doing events at like Soho House, which is about as LA as you can get. <laughs> did you envision this? I mean, is this what you imagine what your life in LA? Oh my God. Like? It's so crazy um, that you even like started with that because of this event next week, every event I do an intro and I always am like, I need it. I theme the app, like usually the events have some sort of theme, but when I was thinking about that, I was like, no one really knows like a little bit about my story. Sometimes people think I just have a podcast and like, I'm like, nah, the podcast is not paying my bills. Like what uh, this event, I know we'll tap into event stuff, but what's funding this event so much is my PR company. Right. And it's like, people never know all the back end of everything. Um, but truly with moving here, I am a huge manifester visualizer, but do the work, but I'm huge on that internal belief system. And I think that, you know, when I moved here and I didn't know anyone, I visualized everything in my life into being, I knew, I just knew in my core, I was like, it's going to all work out. It's going to align the agency. You have no choice. I think I love to just put myself in really uncomfortable situations where you have no choice, but to up level and grow. And when I put myself in that, in that situation, 22, 23 years old, I think that when I was so uncomfortable, I had no choice, but to put myself out there, but to make the money that you need to, to live in LA. And I'm very grateful that a lot of hard work. Um, definitely that's been a whole journey, but I think that internal belief system that like you could do it and then taking the action, everything always works out when you kind of follow that gut and that intuition and oh, for your sure. mindset's there. What, so go back. So you're in Canada and you graduate college. Did you, did you, was the plan immediately to set up a PR agency slash social media agency was like, was that the thing where it was like, let me go to the U S and go to LA and then figure things out when I get there. What was, what was the plan yeah, when you graduated? So to there's like, and it's so crazy because the visa journey is not easy. I'm sure if you have listeners who are trying to move to the States from even Canada, people think Canadians have it easy, but it is not easy. It's not an easy journey. I have so many friends who would love to move to LA or the States, but they don't want to go through that kind of like it's, it's insane the, the process that you go through. And then if you work for a company, that's one route, but they're also really strict on that. Cause they want people, they want companies in the U S to hire Americans, which I totally get. Um, and unless you're like Justin Bieber, it's, <laughs> it's not easy. That's, that's why like visas are, are such an intricate process. And I've like done so many episodes on my podcast. Cause I didn't know people really want to know about the intricacies of that. And but, check it out. Just to interrupt you real quick. Yeah. Check out her many episodes, podcast episodes oh. about the visa journey. I listened to one yesterday. I was like, you take it for granted just growing up here. You're like, you have no idea what somebody from Canada who lives here now had to go through or somebody from yeah, India. Now I'm like, damn, Europe, five years. Wherever. Next year is the time for renewal. I'm like, no, the PTSD. I'm, gonna, <laughs> I'm like, this is where the manifestation stuff really helps because Honestly, I feel like you have to just have so much faith in that journey that it's all going to work out because of how much you put on the line. 
But um, to kind of like sum up what I was doing in Canada. So exactly that after college, I was doing that year after college, I was doing a lot of brand work in Toronto, where I'm from. And just I through college, I was posting on social media about like fitness. And I was a trainer throughout school. And back in the day, like that time, I would literally post just my meals and things weren't as you know how Instagram is now. Everything has to be super aesthetic and oh, yeah. have to be just another level in order to get. And then TikTok's the opposite, but it's just its own beast. But back not only then, that, but you're fighting. You're fighting thousands of other creators posting the same exact meal that yeah. you just posted, doing posting the same exact workout that you just posted about. A lot yeah. more competition now too. It's insane. And that whole journey about growth now, but back then it was a lot more, a lot of people, a lot of females were not posting about like macros and their meals and people loved it. And I was also training in different competitions. So I would document the journey and just really authentic content. But through that, I, I grew my online business at the same time of growing a following. Cause I think I was so niched in like weightlifting and bodybuilding training. And throughout that journey of building up my clientele and having this online business, I had different brands in Toronto, um, like Toronto Blue Jays, Berries. Um, I worked with Bumble. They would hire me and I got to do different events and different consulting work, which was really cool. But I always like to preface because when I moved to LA, none of those connections kind of moved. It's a completely different world. Like the US marketing team and the Canadian, completely different budgets. And now that I'm managed talent and I work in the PR space here, it's insane on the business side on like the US marketing budgets and then the Canadian budgets, like how much they're even allowed. So like, say you're a creator with 30,000 followers, just as a plain example, sure. the amount of budget that they can pay you in Canada, it's so different than the US market. Is it more or less? The U.S. is where they put all the dollars in. Oh, I got you. I don't okay. know if I can even say this, but I Why feel not? like I'm an open book. Sure. But even just like aloe yoga, like I was home for the holidays, mm-hmm. um, just a couple like a couple months ago, and when I was home, I met with like the aloe yoga team, and they were just telling me how they have no budgets to do events and all these things, but here in the US, I'm tight with the aloe team here in Beverly Hills. Like they're right. <laughs> they I went to their headquarters. They like spend they do an event a day they have air one catering they they have oh, wow. a cold, they they do it up it, like they do all the marketing objectives here and they have crazy budget to do all of that because especially me being in events i know how expensive a simple catered brunch and activation and oh for sure kind of event is to do it's just it's astonishing to me too like how they kind of like have different budgets allocated and they let the U.S. kind of handle it, which is why I truly believe that the work that I do now in my agency, I would not have a business in Toronto or I would, but it wouldn't be at the scale that it is here. What is it? So talk money. So what does it cost for us who don't put on events? I've been to these events. You know, you have yeah. me. I'm picturing there was one we I went to. I brought my wife. Mindy Kaling's there. So you got a celebrity. Yeah. It's at some nice ho- boutique hotel somewhere. It's catered. Was a brand hosting it? Hundred people there, but I'm just using that one as an example. But there's, I've been to a million like that. Yeah. How much does something like that cost? Hundred oh people. You have to buy out the space. Okay. And then depending on your relationship with the venue, they either will like give you a rate where if you do a restaurant or a hotel, yeah. technically you can put that money that you're buying out the space towards food and bev. Oh, so okay. then the catering, but for my, someone like myself with our events and how, and a lot of these, in, cause I manage talent. And even with talent, I manage, we do events with brands where just like, I don't know the Mindy Kaling one, but the talent I manage is like the lead of the event. So say it's like, yeah, this, that was X. like, that one was hosted by like cash app that just popped into my head, but but then they, exactly they have like maybe about. a celebrity lead. So like, yep. I'll have like my influencer client who's like, the host quote unquote of the event. Yeah. But then my client, even like how I am with my own events, they're like, no, we don't want that hotel food. We want air one or we want this. So then, um, usually the brand, pro- the hotel probably wants the client. So you could buy them out. And like, at least with my situation with, I'll even just be honest with my event next week. I am very particular about like the alcohol partner and all of that. I didn't want to work with the venues 
alcohol. I wanted to bring in a cool brand that does like cocktails, mocktails, and does it very coffee and a good vibe esque. And um, I had to still buy help the bar in order to do that. They're like, we will just charge you either way, but you can totally now bring in a sponsor. But yeah, it's just the way, I guess every venue is different, but that minimum buyout. And then usually there's other expenses. Like for my event, I had to buy out valet for everyone. Like some events, they make you pay for like staffing and just AV because we do live podcasts and all of those other expenses. I mean, without getting like lost in the weeds, I mean, I have no idea. Is it, is it 10 grand? Is it 20? Is it five? I mean, I, and then I think you can be, I would say like, like at least 30 and up. Oh, wow. Yeah. And like some of these like bigger ones are like, yeah, six figures easy if you want to go all out. So 30 grand. So you have an event next week. So you've got tens of thousands. I'll be so open with my event. Invested. So what's the return on that? So, I mean, do ticket sales is, is your goal to get a certain amount of ticket sales to cover it? Because I've grown the brand. I like, I just like to do invite now because I like to curate the vibe. So it's all, it's all marketing expense. So we're going to, that's going to, you know, we're not making money on this event, you know, but it's goes to it's marketing. It's promoting the brand. Essentially. Yes. And I think that with the, so this event, and this is, I always get this question too. Like when you're doing events, I've done six, this will be the sixth event I've done. And I, a lot of them, I, if I break even, I'm like, that's a win when I started these, but sometimes I'm out of pocket for sure. But this event is the first one. And I, this is the sixth one. And this is the first one where I'll have to run the numbers in a week, but I am not going to break even, but even the profit of it, because you have so much team you hire, um, it, even the profit isn't like right now to me, it's like, wow, the amount of work and it's more of a, I know the value is going to come through on the brand side, but you can essentially make a lot of money because you can just sell bigger partnerships because the cool thing that I've learned this round is even just with pitching certain brands to partner, everyone is pay to play. Like I don't do any collaboration. I used to do that. Like when I started and then even, but now I have so much value because brands want to see analytics. They want to see data. And I know with events, it's hard to be like, Oh, you're going to convert this much, but you have to be good at your sales. And I think all my work in PR and my brand relationships every brand a part of this event next week is paying to be there. Um, and oh, it's wow. cool to see that, like that rate that I, even the journey, like I used to do only collab and then I started charging and I charged so nominal, um, just for brands to be there. And now I charged more and I know the next one will charge more and more because the brand value, the brand equity, it's just building. And me just being in the PR space, I actually want to bundle my podcast partnerships on the digital side, like all the digital, because brands are really comfortable. They're not really comfortable, but they're more comfortable investing digitally than at an event. Um, But I also give them so many offerings within that with there's the podcast ad reads and then there's influencer gifting and seating opportunities. But you also have to guarantee that those people are going to walk through that door mm-hmm. on April 13th. Yep. Um, so there's a lot there, but I kind of want to, in the future, to continue these events, I do want to just scale up everything on the digital side. So when a brand's locked in digitally, they're getting all these other elements. And then we'll, we will have those one-off brands that probably partner with events because it makes sense. Because an alcohol brand or a CPG beverage brand maybe wouldn't want to just sponsor digitally the show ongoing, mm-hmm. but they want to be at the event because it's experiential. Yeah, so yeah. I think you know, it's really cool what you're doing. And I think your story is inspiring because you're more relatable. So you look at you on Instagram, what's your Instagram handle? If in case people are listening, oh, it's can't just watch. my name at Aisha Sarah. So. Okay. So if you look at you on Instagram, you go, okay, she's got 40,000 followers or so good, but nowhere near what a big influencer in LA is getting. Right. But so you look at that and you go, but she's making a living at this and has been as a yeah. creator, forget the PR business, what that's doing over there as a creator, going back to Canada and working with the Blue Jays or Barry's yeah. Camp, whoever you're working with. And Canada and then, is a different ball game. Like I well, had that's like a 30K game. in Canada and I was thriving. <laughs> thriving. <laughs> well, and your expenses were a lot less than I'm sure, yeah. you know, but and now, like, now you're making money. a lot you, there. Yeah. yeah. But now you're making like real money doing it. So 
what do your numbers look like on the podcast? Like, how are you pulling this off where another a person maybe watching or listening to this goes, I got 40 grand a year and I can't even get paid deals. People would want me to promote for, mm -hmm. you know, free gifts. You know, how, what's she doing yeah. that I'm missing? I think it's all in your community and also in your pitches. I think so many influencers, um, like obviously I manage talent. So I'm very, I, as soon as I, um, have a brand, like even when one of my talents, like they will, you know, they get requests all the time, like easy, a brand will reach out, um, be like, Hey, we love your, we love your aesthetic. We want to work with you. So she passed, they pass it off to me. And yeah. when they do instantly, I, well, you kind of like that you understand if they have money or if it's just cause some brands are, they, even if they love you, they just don't have money. They're a startup. Like you gotta read the room a little bit on oh, yeah. knowing who you're talking to, but then uh, this is what I do. And it's always served. I figure out how fast I can get in person with them or on the phone with them because I'm super, I love to connect Ooh, and I love to sell them on my vibe, who I am. And I don't, and also being Canadian, they always love it. They, they just trust you. <laughs> I've noticed that's been such a flex. And I think that with my relationships in the brand space, that's been so like been the biggest thing that I would say that it's allowed me to close these deals for myself and even for talent. Like we've had brands reach out and say, we want to work with this talent on X Instagram post, or this is what we want to do. Then I get on the phone with them. You talk so much life into things you want to create. And then all of a sudden they're like, okay, actually, why don't you propose to me what you have in mind? But when you sell them on that, like dream, they end up being very excited about it. And they talk to the team and not all the time, but oftentimes it happens or they meet you in the middle. And I think that as creators, you know, your brand better than anyone else, you know, your community better than anyone else. And I think it's up to us to really sell that and pitch that. And when you do, and you have so much almost like certainty in what you can create for them. And I I'd also want to say like, for myself being like a smaller micro influencer. Mm -hmm. I sell them on, if it's Instagram on UGC stuff, because I dominate, if you give me a script, I can memorize it and like write a pretty, pretty quickly. And I love like, just like a lot of those kinds of points. So I know that's a strength of mine. So I always will sell in like whitelisting content and UGC. So I can bundle bigger things. Now, talk, I'm so whoa, whoa, st stop right there for people who don't know yeah. UGC content or white labeling content. What does that mean? So a lot of brands, well, you guys have probably seen this on Instagram where you see an influencer um, on your like story, you'll see an influencer that, you know, um, having like a paid partnership tag with a brand like Symbiotica, right? So technically they whitelist that creator's account. So that, that content was not on their story or it's not posted. It doesn't have to be posted but they have the rights to whitelist that piece of content and UGC is user user generated content. So as a creator, and it depends on the brand, right? Some brands might be like, Oh, we want a recipe video of you using the product, or we want you speaking about it. And then if it's a good piece of content, they'll run ads on it because UGC converts so much better than just a cold piece of content that the brand a stock image or like something the brand takes that UGC does very well. And I also notice brands need an abundance of UGC because they need it. If they're spending on their ads, they want to have just new creative that's working well. I just did this for an alcohol company um, on Friday. I was shooting all these different videos and I was working with my assistant and I was like, we might have to shoot more on like Thursday if, if their ads team is saying these aren't converting. Like just, so it's like, you can't be married to the content, but I feel like a lot of your listeners do, they leverage TikTok. Cause I know you have so many TikTok creators and I feel like that's the norm with like creating so much content. Oh yeah, for sure. And you know, what's funny. I, I just ran into this like two weeks ago where how do you, how, how do you overcome this situation? Right? So there's this product I loved on TikTok and they reached out to me. It was like, it's the perfect product for me to promote. I would actually use it. I don't have it yet, but I'm like, oh my God, so much value there. I've never seen anything like, I, I would definitely use this. Because yeah. usually when like, especially startup brands reach out, it's a brand I would never want to deal with, right? So they reached out, I'm like, oh my God. So I, I shot them a price and they, they come back and they go, oh my God, we could never afford that. We would have to sell, because it's like a $10 product. We would have to yeah. sell 
a ridiculous amount of product to break even on that deal. And that's how that brand oh, I love that you startup that. looked at it is like, we're going to spend X, exact we, need to, yeah. we need to make more than that, or that it's, it's a failure. How do you overcome that objection? Because yeah. I'm guessing all your ads, you're not generating more sales than yeah, what, and, what and they're paying even you. The big creators that I work with that have millions of followers. Yeah they don't generate no. like say they paid her 20k for a pose she doesn't yep. generate like over 20,000 in sales mm -mm. so that's where two other things come in so number one i'll say relationships are everything so i am very upfront about that i'm like especially with talent it's like you are not paying for the exact roi conversion you're paying for the brand awareness you're paying for the brand credibility you're paying for them being like a vetted face around your brand endorsing it that you're because we work in whitelisting into the deal so they can reuse their content they can whitelist it for a certain term that they agree to so they're well aware like you're not just paying for that you're paying for that whole brand identity that whole um that the content itself too right because now you can leverage those whatever their deliverables are on your end but also um, number two is how I also can lock in longer than a one-off post. I always, everything's like three months, six months. And even with creators I work with, they want to know their income's locked in because they don't have also have an agency on the side, right? Like yeah, for, for me, sure. it's like if I have a slow month on, if I'm not creating as much as a month or if I don't have um active podcast ad reads, like I'm not stressing because I have the agency. And I think for me, it's like, I have both in a lot of creators I know who are scaling have products, right? Like oh, yeah. Harry Jowsey, he has his new candle company and he has so many ventures, but I also work with creators who just make money off of their brand deals. So it's in, I have a conscious, like I want sure, to make sure that they feel secure. They've committed, they have homes. They have a lot of expenses in LA. Yeah. yeah car Our payments and sure, to have sure. long-term partnerships. So that's also how I can secure that because the repetition is key, right? If we're working with a skincare brand, they don't need to see it for a month. They need to see it for six months. Cause let's be real. Like <laughs> that shit doesn't happen in one post. Like it <laughs> takes time for it to work. And yeah, the audience needs to see that. So I think that actually can end up helping if you pitch it in the right way. Let me ask you. So that's kind of social media, which covers a lot. But what I'm most interested in, in your story is the podcasting side, mm -hmm. because I, I post the audio podcast version of this. Um, no one listens. No one gives a fuck, you know, because I started on YouTube. People watch it. No oh. one listens to it. Right. They watch really? it, which doesn't make sense, because for me, I'm not going to sit and watch. And if you're watching this, I love you. and Thank you for watching. But I can't sit and watch a video for 45 minutes unless there's a lot of visuals and a lot of B-roll and like a lot of fast cuts and stuff. So it lends itself more to the audio experience, but for whatever reason, yeah. without getting sidetracked, I'm like all YouTube. So I guess my question to you is, you know, how did you start making money on the podcast? How many listen, you know, how many downloads were you getting? You know, talk about, Hey, I started this podcast when you're in your journey, moving to the U S you know, you kind of start yeah. your podcast then talk about like the growth and you know, when did you start making money at it? Oh my God. I feel like I could be more aggressive with it, but I just haven't been because of bandwidth. Um, like right now we don't have any active ad reads on the show because I've been so focused on the event and just other areas as of this was, this is a personal thing though, because I'm like, so fo I'm like the agency's been scaling a lot. We've been onboarding so much talent and then we have this huge event. So I'm like, you know what after? Yeah. And then also because I've been, um, I'm like on a pause with posting episodes until after this event, I was just like, I, I couldn't take on a brand cause then I'd have deliverables that wouldn't be, I wouldn't be able to fulfill. So, um, but I think it all comes down to like those relationships that I built on the PR side they end up wanting to work with you on the pot and on the podcast side. But the biggest thing I think with the selling it to brands and locking in my first sponsors was because I bundled Instagram, UGC podcast. And then now I have the events. I bundle them together. And I think that the trifecta of all of that brands are like, it's different. And that's how I've been doing it. Um, and that's how I feel like it's been growing. Like there's a brand that I'm starting with and I requested, they wanted to start now, but I moved the partnership to May mm -hmm. and it's a furniture company. Oh, so cool. that one's different where they're, 
um gonna be doing like my whole living space because right now I like coffee and a good vibe we do it like comfortable like in my living room and they're like doing the furniture so with them I owe them I owe them images like that they're going to use for their website that they have the rights to whitelist for a year. I owe them um, two routine reels because I'm huge on my also that's the other thing. It's like know what piece of content you can create for them. And I and they specifically know that I love to do like a 530 a.m. morning routine or a journal routine. And I think people know me for that because of my podcast. I talk a lot about that. And also if I post on on Instagram, it's my stories of like what I'm doing in the day and like meetings that I'm going to, that's kind of a lot of what I share. And I think that's the big thing too, is knowing specifics on content that you know, that would create and brands will respect you when you show up like that. And you know, that what performs well and what doesn't. Uh, and then lastly, and then also they love the element of getting their furniture in the visuals of the podcast so there's some then there's going to be ad reads but they're also getting the visual of the reels and then yeah and then that partnership bundles all of that and then they have the rights and i think that is such a good point too to the creators watching or listening to this is you really do have to be everywhere now i mean and you can't be one dimensional because I mean, you could, I mean, maybe you're just all Instagram and you've got, you know, 2 million followers on Instagram and you can make a nice, healthy living just doing that. But most yeah. people aren't like that, right? You're going to have, Hey, I've got, you know, 40,000 on Instagram, but then I've got 60 on TikTok, and I've got 10,000 YouTube subscribers. And I got 5,000 mm-hmm. people listening to my podcast. Adds up. If, if you just take them by themselves, it doesn't equal big money necessarily, right? Just my TikTok audience, or just my Instagram. Once you combine it, like you said, hey, and by the way, not only do I have all that, I can give you an in-person live event that I'm going to do six a year this year too. And I could do and this and this. here's the guest list and here's the reach of that. Yeah. I, I calculate all of that. Our event deck like yep. that I've worked on for so many months. Like I did those five events so I can collect all this data. And I learned so much, like, even though it was an expense to do these events, I learned so much. And now when I'm talking to brands, I know what works. Like even this morning, I had a 6am call with a brand in Europe and she was like telling me what they wanted to do. Like they have so many different products. And I was like, I was like, instantly I told her which one, cause they had so many. And, and I only know that because I've done so many events and I know what steals the show at events, what people gravitate towards. You just learn so Um, much. And I think that, um, yeah, it's just really understanding your brand, your community. And if you can pitch that to them and show as much data as possible, because obviously it's not, and I don't like you're, I'm not showing them when they sponsor an event, how many people sold on a link, right? I'm showing them the guest list. I'm showing them the amount of, so I've saved every story when a creator comes to my event and and post because the crazy thing about our events is Uh. everyone there posts like which is insane and they shout out brands and they're so excited to be there which is really free advertising for the brands they love i've saved it all i'm like when i was like recapping our last event i saved all these like people who are like they don't post a lot and they were all posting like certain brand partnership i was showing them posts about the brands they don't care that they're posting that they're at coffee and a good vibe but i was sharing how much reshares happen from brands activating at our events um but as much data as you can show um will always help and separate you right because there's an abundance of creators especially in in these big cities so what do you do so okay let's stay with the podcast for a sec so okay you know, you're a podcaster and you're just starting out and, you know, you've got 50 downloads a week or maybe you get up to 200 and you're, you know, in your mind, you're killing it right to a brand. They don't really care about 200 downloads. Right. Yeah. But you do, you're like, Hey, I'm growing. I think I've got really good content here. This is going to go somewhere. How do you sell yourself where you don't have 10,000 downloads, but you think there is something you can provide and you think your content's good and you've got a unique voice and maybe you have good guests, whatever your niche is, you're like, you think you're doing well, how do you go to a brand when they're going to say, okay, let me see the data. And you're like, oh shit, they asked for the numbers. <laughs> you know, I don't want to think- I don't want to show them numbers. They suck. What do you do? Yeah. I, well, a lot of brands uh, instantly, they love that authentic relationship. So if it is a brand you love, you should be sharing about them 
on uh, into your audience. Like for example, when I'm sharing a planner or a journal on my, even my podcast, Instagram, that one's really engaged, even though it's like not a lot of followers, it's crazy how engaged they are because of the content that you post. It's like so aligned when I post like morning routines and quotes and people love that stuff there. Um, and I think that when you can showcase, even I can screenshot DMS of people being like, Oh my God, because you got this plan, like you show this planner, I always buy it. Or you like showing, even screenshotting that community, because if you, uh, you obviously, if you believe in your brand, you have community, you know, the value you have to offer. So as much as you can, like authentically growing that relationship with the brand, and then it can grow so much from there. But I think if you are so new, I would just start sharing the love for the things you love and then document building up that data to even show them. And as much as possible, I think bundling all your platforms, because if you have a podcast, hopefully you are um, doing even reels to promote it or TikToks around it. So then you can show them those things as well, or your stories. What if your stories are so aesthetic or you're a photographer as well, and you have this podcast and your photos are amazing. They might even also just ask you for 10 uh, photos that they can have the rights to use and say they're perfect for their website, you save them an expense there. You can bundle other things in, but it's really like knowing your value and then um, providing as much context around that too, to show them the visuals. Cause they love, they love examples. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah. And I think uh, another thing too, and I, and I did this and I still do this and JT Barnett, shout out to yeah, JT. I think, you know, him. I interviewed him about six months ago. I found him on LinkedIn. Everyone go follow him oh my on God, LinkedIn. No way. He'll he be there next it. week. He's got yeah. like 25,000 followers on LinkedIn. He destroys it. I'm like, who is this guy? And anyway, I kind of, I, that's how I found him and found out what he was doing, no but way. he would just posted, uh, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago about his journey working with, um, we work or I, there was a, we work or another office, you know, co-working. he works with, we work. He convinced me to get a membership. Oh, maybe that was it. Okay. And he wanted to work with them. This is a good lesson for you watching is he wanted to work with them for a long time. And he just posted consistently about it. He said it took him like six months of basically giving away free ads mm-hmm. until they paid him to work with them. And I thought that was a great lesson. Not that you should give away you know, free ads for six months. Yeah. You, you as a manager may say that's kind of a bad idea. You know, we're leaving money on the table, but especially if you're a young creator out there, what do you have to lose? Why not? Hey, I really want to work with this camera brand, or I really want to work with this clothing company or whatever your niche is, or this gym from a fitness person. Why not just create free content? You're not doing anything anyway, right? No one's paying. You're not missing out because no one's paying you for ads. So why not go do it for free and get their attention? And I think that's a great way to build value. Even if like that example before I said, okay, there's only 200 people listening to your podcast, but Hey, guess what? This, this person's a hustler. They're really passionate about the brand. If I'm a brand and I look at that consistently posting, they're tagging, you know, they're giving us free content. They do a budget and like two things on that, like, um, that's happened to me with like even Alfred. So Alfred coffee, it I'm, I post it every single day on the podcast and I know they don't work with influencers. <laughs> I am well aware of that, but it is so funny because I'm, everyone knows I'm obsessed with Alfred and I always, every single morning I post it on the coffee and a good vibe one. And it's so insane because, um, barcode good friends of mine, they are, they're, they're good friends. They're such an amazing brand. They did it. They wanted, they had budget to do this Alfred campaign and guess who was top of mind me. And the founder was like, to me, we have budget. We're actually wanting to do like a campaign where like we shoot you, but then also you do like, it was all stories too. It was fun. Um, just to really promote their launch in Alfred. And he knows how on brand it is for me. And it was so crazy because he only reached out to me because I'm top of mind. He's like, you were the first person. And the whole team like knows that I love Alfred because I'm friends with his team at Barcode. And I think that you never know like when they'll have, because brands also like big brands, sometimes they're out of campaign budget. Like even with creators I'm working with, like a lot of them have pulled back on Coachella's next week. They pulled back on Coachella's then, but it's, I think you always just got to be top of mind working on nurturing your relationships because then you're top of mind when they do have money. And then second, um, I think the best point of contacts are actually, uh, through Instagram in like 
through just building that authentic relationship because when you cold email on um like a website it's crickets but when you are posting all the time all of a sudden you get like a jessica at revolve or like a rachel at barcode who's like hey let like you build a relationship with them and then you're in the right email and you can really let that relationship grow even with my funny alfred story the manager finally like was like what do you do? Like I saw you shooting content here for Alfred and it was like a whole thing because they had their photo- photographer that day. And then they ended up being like, and then I ended up telling them the vision because uh, being a podcaster, you just love to connect and you love to talk. So I ended up talking to this manager. She's opened up like so many of the Alfred's location. She ends up saying to me and I told her about my events. I'm like, I host these big events in LA, all founders. I'm like, Josh, because I'm so well aware of these brands. I'm like, Josh, the founder should come. He's a king of LA because he's been opening up like hundreds of Alfred's locations. I was like, he should come. She's like, I would love to invite him. I'm actually going to go meet him. Do you have um, something you can send to me and then I can send it to him? And that was like how authentic and open it was because I have a vision for a campaign I want to do with Alfred's and I'm so clear on it, on what I want to pitch. But it's a relationship and I'm so okay if this relationship relationship takes another like two years to get there because I have a big idea, but it's all wait, wait, So that's a great he's gonna lesson. He's going to come to the event and he's going to understand the coffee and a good vibe. And how long that's great. Did, how long did you post about Alfred Coffee in the morning? You said you do it every uh, morning. At, yeah, in- not actually that long if I was saying when I'm consistent, maybe six months. That's a, I mean, but that's a lot of free content you're giving them. That's a lot of value you're providing is the way I look at that. Like, Hey, we'd love to work with her. Look, she's, you know, we've gotten freebies for six months and that's great. Alfred doesn't like work. So I, I, cause I'm like, I'm such a marketing person too. I'm like very curious to look at how brands are working with um, creators. Alfred never works with creators like in general, just cause the brand's so established, I guess they don't see the value in it, but where I see value in like even coffee and a good vibe working with them is so much like more than that they do these sleeves okay so alfred's like air one they do these branded sleeves and the sleeves are like netflix movies or big brands and those sleeves on the cup see like i don't think a lot of people notice these sleeves but these sleeves um brands pay for that placement wow and they change up the sleeves every like week or two um and brands pay a lot of money for that placement and i have this vision what i want to do with the sleeve um, so I don't think it's going to be like, they pay me, but, uh, it's a really, it's a brand that I want to work with. And I don't know if it later also, as you grow, I think deals can get different. Like you can do a product collab. You can do a rev share kind of partnership. You can get equity in the brand. I know you had Josh Richards on your podcast oh, yeah. and Josh, I know he does a lot of equity deals with brands cause they can't even afford maybe his rate, but if he believes in them, Charlie, all the big TikTokers, the yeah. first I saw, because they looked at the Instagram people before them who were doing one-offs and stuff, and they realized that's not the way to go. I'd rather, mm-hmm. instead of a one-off and the brand never calls me again, I'd rather have a little piece of a smaller company and take less yeah. of a check because long-term, that's the better way to go. So yeah, Josh yeah. and all those guys are, are great examples. Charlie, all of them do it. But I think it's like so much it comes down to that relationship piece, uh, especially if you're a new creator. And then also as you grow, if you believe in your brand so much, then as you grow, like they believe in you. And then you can also just get so much out of the brand in general as well. I've had brands want to work with me that didn't have budget. And then they were like, well, can we add value with connecting you with like, I had one brand that I could think about. They're a protein company. They're like, can we connect you to like some of these professional athletes that would be great for your show or maybe for the, or for this. And, um, I think value can come in other ways too. Uh, especially if you're for that example as well, being like a podcast host, maybe you can get value depending on obviously your show from connecting with people that they do work with. Like say they are a big brand that doesn't have money to pay you as a micro, but they pay their creators as you grow. Maybe you can talk to them about pitching some of the talent they work with to get on your show. And then that'll also grow you as well. And I just think they're also through having, I interview a lot of founders, I think through interviewing a lot of founders, that's opened up a lot of crazy good brand connections because that intro is from the highest level first. 
Oh, for sure. And especially if you could, yeah, if you have the founder on, you know, at the end of the day, they may not be looking at every brand collab they, they do, but if you're on their radar, they always you, connect you to their person who does though. Yeah. So even if you're a small podcaster yep. thinking about like, maybe I can add value by having that founder of that brand on my show. Uh, at least they get to ex experience how I, I do it. Yeah. And you have that relationship set with the right person. Yeah, for sure. So I kind of wrapping up, what tips do you have for podcasters? Like not the branding and money side, but yeah. actually doing a podcast. What have you learned? You've been doing it for a while now. What makes a good podcast host? What do you, what mistakes did you make early on that you kind of look back and go never again? Like this is the way to do it. Yeah. From the get-go, I wish I started a podcast Instagram from the beginning, a oh. podcast TikTok and a podcast YouTube. Like, I wish I did that all right away because hmm. I, you, I feel like with the digital show as you're experiencing, like there's no algorithm on Apple or Spotify for a podcast. Like so you, hard. it's just like you post your show and then you drive all the traffic to it. So I would say like, I wish I was doing that from the beginning because I learned this. Instagram's always been my thing. I wish TikTok was my thing from when it came out, but Instagram's always been my favorite platform to create on and to be on. And I, notice like just there's something about a niche like when you have a niche on like your brand and podcasters do and you go on another platform like tiktok and instagram they both reward that and it's crazy just with the amount of growth i've gotten from being on those platforms because people then post also oh, as a random side note people when they're listening to my show they love tagging coffee in a good vibe and even at my events, they all, and I'm so grateful. I'm like, I'd rather them tag coffee in a good vibe, but less of them, even though you're the host, I feel like people are less inclined to tag the personal versus the show Instagram. They oh. like, even if the show Instagram is not verified and it's small, like they will glad they like taking the show and I don't know what it is, but I've noticed this so much. Like after an event, I'll say I have like 300 story tags on coffee and a good vibe, it'll always be like more and better stories. And on my personal, it's kind of like more content directed at me at the event, which mm -hmm. I like, I like it a lot. Cause I'd rather that the show grow, Yeah, but sure. that's something I've noticed. So even your guests, uh, as a podcast host, I've noticed guests love tagging the show over. They tag the personal, but like the show is such a focus. And I think your increases are higher if someone listened to your show and posting it on one of the platforms. Um, that's like my biggest tip. I also think having on really great guests. And one of the things I would tell myself is that when I started my show, I got some people reaching out to be on the show that I said, or PR companies as well that would pitch their clients or oh, yeah. just people I felt pressured to interview. And even if they had a big following or they were very successful, I've had them on my show and then they've like crickets after like yep. they took it as a transactional relationship. Yep. I've done it with PR companies too. where like, it's a closed calendar invite and I don't even get to see, like, I don't have their contact at all. Nope. I only show up for the zoom and it's like, I'm you hop on the zoom. There's no rapport in the beginning. Like I hop on the zoom and I'm like, okay, I'm aware it's an hour, but then there's no rapport. They just like treat it like, this PR company sent me this whenever I've done a podcast like that, it's never served. No. So like, I don't care if that person has a bunch of followers or built the best business. If I can't like have that authentic, like gravitation, it's probably not going to work well. My guests will not like that episode. Cause it's going to be hard to, even if they turn it on, it's still fake, you know, I, so that's never worked. And I think in the beginning I fell into that trap. I've had on a couple founders oh, yeah. on my show who I was like, so excited about. And then it just, it they didn't share it either after which you don't have to ever like sure. especially i know you have creators on they they don't all reshare on story but i i'll tell you what i would say 80 percent of my guests maybe even higher share really that's 100 yeah 100%. that's a good thing and another note but 20 percent the 20 that don't they're the ones that i don't have any connection with them yeah i owe everything went to the pr company or their manager so i have no they don't follow we they don't follow me on social yeah. I don't have their cell phone number i don't have their email address i have no connection to them those people never share but the people that 
Hey, I just spent two hours with them or I spent an hour and a half with them. And I sat you with know them how and much joked goes around into the post-production of this, like What's editing that? the post-production of this and the energy of that. Like oh, it's yeah. a lot, but I would also say to new podcasters, like to avoid that, like try to make them really warm. Or even if it is coming through an agency, like have a rule where you have to connect with the founder or like have that intro. Um, but I would say like, don't even take it personally if they yeah. don't repost, if you nope. didn't want to have them on because no. it happens to everyone. And, and one thing I've learned too, is like some creators just don't post, they have a schedule. So like yeah. they'll post later, which is always cool too. Yep. Um, and two, you never know what'll come out of it too. I interviewed, it was so funny. I interviewed, um, Ruigi, he's a fashion designer. He founded the rude, um, streetwear brand. Oh yeah. And he's like a big now, now he's the creative director of Bali, the house of Bali, the, um, high-end fashion brand in Europe. So he does that. He's creative director for a bunch of different companies. He has a line with Zara. Anyway, I interviewed him five years ago and we did it in person and there, you know, it was great. And he, I wrote a Forbes article and he loved it. So randomly, like a month ago, I get an email going, invite to the rude fashion show. I go, what? I get all these invites and I never You're go to anything. Me that I look I at this you. and I go, what the fuck do they want me at some fashion show? And I just thought it was so funny. And I reached out to the guy and he goes, yeah, you know, when I, we're only doing one interview and, you know, I looked through his old stuff. I talked to him. He's like, you, we want, we want to do it with you. And I'm like, shit, in five years, like in five years, how many people did you sit down with? Literally hundreds of, you've probably done hundreds of interviews yeah. and like to come back. And then it, from, from me to go to a fashion show, like I've never been to a fucking fashion show. It was just <laughs> like a fucking cool ass experience. So you never know what that's going to lead to. But if you make a legit, a legitimate, authentic connection, you know, nothing may come of it, but something may five years down the road, 10 years down the road, you never yeah. know what'll happen. And that's why I always yeah. stress, do them in person if possible. It's a lot oh easier. God, like this isn't thing. a good example because we're doing Zoom, but 95% of the, my interviews are in person and I've turned down big guests. I mean, guess that'll make your head explode because I didn't want to do a Zoom. I go, okay. Yeah. Well, that's like me with New York. I have like a bunch of interviews I'm going to go do there. And they're like, yeah. can we just do it on Zoom? Because you keep posting like all these things you're doing. And like, I want to do the show now. I'm like, no, nope. I want to wait for in person because I know how much better it's going to be from a content yep. perspective and for from sure. a connection perspective. Um, But it's just, and also on that note of connecting and, and those relationships, good people know good people. That's yep. why I'm like so passionate about the events. And even just with the podcast, when I started, you just need like one good person. And then you can ride that wave because that one good person knows probably another person who's a same caliber playing the game at a huge level. Like that's exactly what happened to me when I started at Gold's gym, mm -hmm. I met this one founder and I'll always go up to people. I think living in LA, I, I, like we'll go to air one and I'll see someone who I've like DM'd who would never see it. And then I take that as an opportunity, like, okay, the universe put that person in front of me go. And I always do that. So at the gym at like air one's a prime example or like anywhere, like shoot your shot. But then once you do have them on the show, they end up having a friend like that. So happened to this one guy from gold gym, like the movement team, he connected me to Mark Brazil who owns, um, iconic. And now Mark is like my neighbor in playa, but like Mark knows he'll, you'll see him next week. Mark had like, he's friends with scooter Braun and Gary. Oh, wow. v. It's like, you can just kind of like, and you can ask for the intro. They would love, cause you're just adding value. Yep. Um, they would love to connect you. And that's like, honestly, how right away from the beginning, um, from the second episode, I had really high level because that's a question I get like, oh, how did you get these founders? That's my number one question right I get away. Asked. Yep. For me, it was the same experience. For me, I I used to do focused, I used to do only creators. And yeah, I didn't get started till I was I didn't have I didn't start YouTube till I was like 37. And I had no, I didn't know what an influencer was. I didn't mm -hmm. know about influencer marketing. I didn't know any of it. And I randomly got pitched to interview Jake Paul. And I had no idea who Jake Paul was. That's and at the time crazy. he was at the team 10 house. He was on a Nickelodeon show, but I looked him up. I go, who is this kid with 20 million followers? Like I've never even heard of. So we just sat in his garage and like chopped it up for an hour and a half and just talked business. Like, okay, how do you work with brands? Yeah. How does this work? How do you get blah, blah, blah. 
how do you grow following on Instagram? Like just basic questions. I was just interested. And he shared uh, the interview. And from that came the next one, next one. And because of that, because I started at a high level to begin with, it just kind of kept growing from there. Yeah. But you never, but to your point, you just, even if it's not Jake Paul, if you're listening and you have, you know, 10 people listening to your podcast, it's not going to be Jake Paul, maybe, but whoever that person is in front of you, if you're really into them and you're passionate, they're going to, they can feel the energy. The biggest compliment mm -hmm. I ever get is Tom. I just love your energy or you had good energy. So yeah. that's why I recommended you to this person. You can't fake that, you know, and if you just do a good job and focus on perfecting your craft and treating it like a real job, like if you want to have a podcast, you want to have a YouTube show, treat it seriously. Like, Hey, I'm going to have the best guests I can get on. And guess what? That takes work. Even now I grind hours and hours and hours every week, reaching out to PR people, DMing people. You know, if you really want to create consistent content, it takes a lot of work to get guests. Yeah. And then, but then once you are on this momentum, it can keep going from there. Cause then even with your colds, I found this with events, like when I'm looking for certain panelists, cause I want like, I, I obviously theme the panel and you want people who are good. There's another thing, not every creator or like you think like, Oh, they're an influencer. I want them to speak on my panel. Like you got to do your research on if they can speak live because so many people do are not comfortable behind a mic live with an audience. It's different for a podcast. Like even if I've had someone on my show, my biggest thing is like, are you really comfortable live where it's really like, it's different than being behind a laptop hundred percent person behind a camera. But from what I've noticed too, with even pitching, like I pitched like Wilmer, uh, you know, that guy Wilmer from that 70s show. Of course, Wilmer Von the yeah. or whatever his name is. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, who else was really cool that I pitched? And like the cool thing was when I'm pitching these like celebrity talents, um, oh, Victoria Justice, like really like celebrities I really like um, who aren't in my, well, first I always see who my warm connections are between them and what managers I know because it all goes through their manager. But the cool thing that I've noticed is like in the pitch, I obviously name drop and have a deck of like past guests. So they know the people and they're it, the cool thing that I've noticed is like, they're really warm and interested. It's only if the data lines for their chaotic schedules. And then if it, if it doesn't, then you're, they're already a relationship that you can pull for another thing. But then those managers, when you are doing your outreach, you don't know how many creator decks I have right now of managers being like, they're not available, but do you want any of these people? Yep. It's, it's like an, it opens up so much. So I think once you have like that momentum of like a couple good guests, you can leverage that to other networks. hundred percent. Well, thank you so much. This was a pleasure. I wish we did this in person, but I'm going to see know. you next week. Yeah, I'm excited to week. see the I'm event. Excited. So, you know, you have to come on my podcast and we'll do it in person. I'm down whenever. And I like being live. It's funny, like doing podcasts live. I don't know how yeah. you are. When I do them in person, I don't give a fuck who's there. I want the more people. I want as much yeah. attention as possible. I like having like 20 people in the room Pressure. when I'm doing it. Yeah. Well, it's just more, it's better energy, I think, than just two people locked in a room together. I mean, that's cool and everything. But to me, I like like people around. Yeah. And it's a show. Like I It is a show. Like, it's a live show. Like, it's entertainment. It's fun. Yeah. Yeah. So we should check out your podcast, Coffee and a Good Vibe. What else? Yeah. Should, where else can we check you out? Coffee and a Good Vibe. Um, it's an Aisha Sarah on Instagram. We have YouTube, TikTok. We have it all. But I think, honestly, if you want to come to an event too, Coffee and a Good Vibe is like where you can see everything on um, on Instagram with two, like future events and the podcast, of course. Nice. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for watching or listening. Uh, make sure you subscribe and turn on notifications. New interviews every Tuesday at 10 a.m. with pretty much the most diverse, successful people you'll yeah, see. True. Next guest is Rob Deerdeck. I'm interviewing him. Friday. I love him. And Mauricio uh, from, from the agency from. Uh, yeah. So you never know who you're going to get, but it's always successful people that are going to help you elevate your life. So thank you so much for watching and listening, guys. Thank you.